Good morning. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris. I am the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to welcome you to online worship today. Not online uh, exclusively for very much longer. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Let me, let me let you know a couple of things that are coming down the pike for you. First off, Bible school is on. Now, it's not in person. Uh, it's going to be Bible school to go, and it's going to be awesome. It's really going to be truly awesome. It is going to be uh, at your own home, uh, but what uh, is amazing about this is our church is supplying you the Bible school to go kit, and it's got everything you're going to need, and it's amazing, absolutely amazing. It's so amazing, as a matter of fact, that it takes us a lot of time to put it together, and you need to reserve your kit. You really need to reserve your kit. So if you will go to our website, click on that top banner that says Bible School. It says Focus. And I'm asking you to go and reserve your Bible School to go kit. And then you're going to come and pick that up on July 19th. That's going to be a big day. We'll talk about it a little bit more between now and then. But you need to reserve that kit before next Wednesday, July the 1st, okay? you got one more week to get that kit reserved, so don't miss that. Bible School is going to be awesome. It's going to be different. It's not going to be in person, but it is going to be be really, really powerful and important. So don't miss that for you and your kids. Ages three to sixth grade, reserve your kit today. Now, I mentioned next Wednesday night, you need to really, really understand this coming Wednesday night, July the 1st, will be the first opportunity for folks to come back and worship in person. I'm so tired of preaching to an empty room. We're finally going to start getting people back. Now, we're going to start small and we're going to start slow. So in order to be a part of this coming Wednesday night's worship congregation, you're going to need to reserve a seat. And we won't have enough seats for very many people. We're just going to do it in this room right here. And this room right here has pews. <laughs> and that means in order to get the six-foot distance that we really need to do to take care of you, we're not going to be able to get a whole lot of people in here. We're going to start small. Uh, this coming Wednesday is primarily to, uh, to get worship recorded for Sunday. If you haven't picked up yet, we record Sunday th this Worship service you're watching right now, we're recording on Wednesday night. So this is Wednesday night before Sunday. Uh, so we've been recording on Wednesday. We're going to continue to do that for a while. So Wednesday night, you'll be invited to come and be a part of Sunday morning's worship next Sunday. Is that as confusing as mud? Uh, this coming Wednesday night, we're going to open up the room for a, for a number of folks. This is going to allow us to train ushers uh, to sort of learn our own ropes, uh, to follow the guidelines as much as we can, and to figure out how to best take care of people. We're going to start Wednesday, and then we'll begin building from there. Our deacons are amazing, and they are leading up our efforts to bring worship back to in-person. We will continue online worship just like this uh, from now till Jesus comes as well. I'm not saying you have to stay home, but we're going to continue to provide this worship experience because this worship experience is important too, but we want to start bringing people back into God's house. That starts this Wednesday night. You need to go to the church website on the left-hand side. You'll find the group finder. That first group right there is the reservation for July 1st, Wednesday night. Worship starts at 7.30, 7.30 p.m. Wednesday night. You need to reserve your spot, and once we get that full, it will close down, but, but don't be discouraged. As we go week to week, we'll, we'll perhaps begin to add to that, add services, and before long, we'll get back to where things were with this house full of worshipers. But for now, I'm grateful that we'll start and we'll build from there this coming Wednesday night. Reserve your spot. I want you to be here. Let's go to work. Back to the message series entitled Boy's Life. Caleb Hodges was awesome last week talking about friendship. I want to come back today, pick up where he left off, and let's talk about work. 
<laughs> man, when I was a, a, a younger guy, man, my parents were all the time trying to make me go to work. They did not understand the importance of the life I had going there. I had television to watch, y'all. I mean, you know, Doritos don't eat themselves coming out of the bag. I mean, somebody's got to eat Doritos and sit on the couch and watch television. I considered that my job. But my dad, who had a farm and a full-time job at a factory, he sort of expected I'd pitch in and do some work. You know, like taking the garbage out, you know, cleaning my room, feeding animals at the barn. You know, my goodness. Uh, I can just remember that. Uh, learning how to work. I saw my dad. My dad's the hardest working man I've ever known to this day. My dad works hard. My mom worked hard. My mom, throughout most of my life, worked third shift in a factory, standing on concrete, working a big machine. And they put me through college with no loans, with, with factory salaries. Man, I love my folks. I, I loved watching how hard they worked. But I'm telling you, as a boy, I wasn't in a great big hurry to join them in the work, you know, because I actually enjoyed not working. Let's talk about that. Little brother, I just want you to understand how important it is that you learn how to work. Once there was a boy who went to basketball camp and looked like an idiot. Totally embarrassed himself. He was there for the entire week. And in an entire week, he never, not one time, he never, not one time hit a basket. Never, never. Put the ball through the basket. He didn't hit a jumper. He didn't hit a free throw. He didn't hit a layup. I mean, nothing. He never put the ball through the hoop. He looked like an idiot. He was absolutely the worst kid at basketball camp. What kid do you think we're talking about? <laughs> Not me. It could have been me, actually. But it wasn't me, y'all. It was 12-year-old Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. One of the greatest basketball players of all time, Kobe Bryant, at the age of 12, went to basketball camp, and he was the worst kid there. He never hit a basket, not one basket. But when Kobe Bryant, 12 years old, got back from that camp, he made a decision, and that decision was he was going to learn how to play basketball. He was going to be good. So what did he do? Well, little dude, he went to work. He worked. He started playing basketball. I mean, he practiced. He made it his job. I mean, he was committed to this. So while other kids, you know, were goofing off, sleeping in and all this, Kobe Bryant got up every single morning. He got to school at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Why? Because that's when he could get in the door, and that's where the basketball gym was. I mean, that's where the basketball court was. He went to play basketball at 5 a.m. before school started every day. Stayed at school all day long, had basketball practice with the team after school, and then Kobe Bryant, all the way through school, would stay after practice with anybody who would stay and keep playing. I mean, that kid was determined. He really wasn't born a great basketball player, but he made himself a great basketball player through hard work. Can we talk about work? I know, I, I know, work is just, it's not fun. If it were fun, it wouldn't be called work. But, but, but understand something, everything good in life takes hard work. Everything good in life takes hard work. That's the way God made the world. And, and honestly, the more you put into anything, the greater the reward will be in that thing for you. It's the way God made the world. So here's the first thing you need to understand. In order to live the life that God wants you to live, 
You need to do the work that God wants you to do. Say that again, in, in, in case you're slow in listening. In order to live the life God wants you to live, you need to do the work that God wants you to do, and you need to work hard. You need to work hard. Whatever it is that you're going to do, the scripture says you do it, you do it in the name of the Lord. You do it because you're serving the Lord. I mean, you need to go at it like you're killing snakes. Work hard. Which brings us to the scripture today. Take your Bible, little brother, and turn to Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 24. Pick up these words of Jesus to his disciples. These are all young men. And Jesus is trying to help them understand what it means to be his follower in the world. Now, where I'm picking up in verse 24, understand, they're at the Last Supper. You know what I'm talking about? The night before Jesus is, is arrested and, and killed, he'll be crucified the next day. That night before, he had one last supper with his disciples, with the 12. And, and in that upper room where they had supper that night, remember, Jesus tells them how he's going to suffer. He tells them about his coming sufferings. He tells them that his body is going to be broken like bread. He tells them that his blood is going to be poured out like wine. I mean, Jesus is telling them, warning them, letting them know the darkness that's about to fall. And then Jesus tells them that one of them, I mean, one of the guys at that table is going to be the one that betrays him, the one that goes and rats and and tells the officials where they can find him, and that's how he get arrested. I mean, Jesus tells them, you know, one of you, and, and, and then they begin to argue And they argue, and then there may have been a pause, but somewhere in the midst of absorbing the news that Jesus was going to suffer and die and that one of them would betray them, somewhere in all of that, they got into an argument over which one of them was the most awesome. And that's where the scripture picks up. It's, It's amazing how dense boys can be. And Jesus in his patience is trying to teach them. Pick up, verse 24, Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Then they began to argue among themselves about who is the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, listen, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over people. Yet they're called friends of the people, but but among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leaders should be like a servant. Who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Do you hear that? Now, I, I don't really know how old you are. I keep saying little dude, little brother. Uh, what are you, 12, 13, 16, you know, 47? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but... Um, I'm assuming that by now you're getting some idea how the world works. If you haven't noticed, there's kind of a, a hierarchy. In other words, some people just seem higher up. You know, some people just are, are, are cooler, better looking, more muscular. I mean, some people are just more popular. I mean, some people, they got an idea, and they can get a whole bunch of people behind it in a minute. Others, you know, I mean, they can't draw a crowd. They can't get any attention. I mean, that's just how it is. It's not equal. Some people just automatically seem to rise to the top. And in our culture, I mean, there are people who become famous, like Instagram famous. 
There are people who are just automatically, all eyes go to them, and, and they're voted most popular, or they're voted class president, or, or, or whatever. You know those guys, you see those guys, and, and honestly, that, that's how the world works. We, we tend to admire those who rise to the top, and Jesus knows how the world works. I mean, Jesus knows full well how all this works, so he says in this world, I mean, it's the world we all live in. Jesus lived in it too. The disciples are in it. So Jesus says, y'all know in this world, you know, like there's the, there's the great men, the great men, the, the presidents, the kings, the celebrities, the athletes, the professional gamers, the great men. And, and these are the kind of guys that they lord it over people. They like to be higher than, better than. They like to be up there. You know, and the way they got up there and what they do up there is they, they sort of use people. They use people. They sort of figure out how to use people to get where they want to be. Jesus says, you know, this is how the world works. Kings and all the great men, this is what they do. They, they lord it over people. They like to be the big boss, which means they like to be in a position where they can get everybody else to do what they want done. This is how the world works, Jesus says. I mean, this is just how the world of people works. Great men, you know, all eyes on them, and, and they lord it over people. That They like to see that everybody else sort of serves them. Everybody else, you know, works for them. And Jesus says that's exactly how the world works, but, but not here. That's not how it works with us. Isn't that interesting? That's not how it's going to be with you. Among you, it will be different, he says. Verse 26, those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest drink, and the leaders should be like a servant. You see, what Jesus is saying is most guys think about themselves only and first. Most every guy you know, he's thinking mostly about himself. And he thinks about himself first. I mean, you know, like me first. But you're not like most guys. You're not like most guys. I, I don't want to be like most guys either. Jesus is saying, you know, that this may be how the world works, and, and I know that, that you've lived in this world, but Jesus says, I'm calling you out. I, I'm calling you out to be different. You're not going to be like that. Most guys are not your example. Your goal in life is not to see how high you can rise above other people. Your goal in life is not to be Mr. Popularity. Your goal in life is not to see how little you can do and how much other people can do for you. That's not how it's going to be with you, Jesus says. See, little brother, I'm assuming that by this point you've given your life to Jesus. If you haven't, you still need to do that. That's the first thing that you need to do. Your life is not going to go anywhere the way you think it's going to go until you give your life to Jesus. You need to call upon his name, surrender yourself to him. You need to make him the big boss of your life. You understand what I'm saying, little dude? You got to live for Jesus. But living for Jesus means this. It means that Jesus becomes your example. And in every single day, in every single moment, your whole entire life now is all about being like Jesus, imitating Jesus. And Jesus, if you haven't realized it, he's not like other people. He's not like the guys you know. He's not like the men in this world. And Jesus says, 
you're not going to be like that either. Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. Understand? Jesus says, see, I I am one who serves, and that means you. You are going to be one who serves. Little brother, your life is about serving others. It's not about putting yourself first. It's not about thinking of yourself first. I know you're in the world, and I'm in the world too. And, and, and since we're in the world, it, it's sort of automatic to be selfish and self-centered. It's just sort of automatic to think about ourselves. But, but that's not how it is with Jesus. Jesus is calling us to be different, and we have to practice being different, which means we got to start practicing putting other people in front of ourselves. Here's the thing. Serving is work. I want you to make this connection. Serving is is work. Honestly, that's why a lot of people don't want to do a lot of serving. It looks like work. It feels like work. I mean, work is to exert energy, whether it's mental energy or physical energy. Work is to make something happen, something that wouldn't happen if you didn't get up and make it happen. I mean, work requires energy. It requires something to be moved, and it requires a mover. So we need you to move. We need you to move. But the point is, what it is that moves you is this desire to be like Jesus in serving. And serving is work. It's always going to be work. Look at this little, it's this little word picture Jesus paints in verse 27. Try to picture what he's saying. He says, who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? See, it just sort of gives you a little, a little picture here. You got two guys, and one of them is sitting, and the other one is serving, and Jesus is asking you, which one are you going to be? Who's your example here? One of them is sitting. In other words, he's, he's taking it easy. He's being waited on. He is sitting there on the couch playing Minecraft, and he's got this other guy whose full-time job is just bringing him stuff. Isn't that awesome? So as he sits there playing his game, he doesn't even have to get up. He's got somebody that brings him, brings him big bags of barbecue Fritos, Mountain Dew, like continues to refill the Mountain Dew. And about every second or third day, that guy will bring him a fresh shirt and a clean pair of socks. You understand? He never has to leave his game. He never has to lift a finger other than what he wants to do because he's got somebody serving him. You got the picture? You got two guys, one guy sitting here playing his game, and the other guy whose full-time job is just bringing him what he needs, waiting on him. Keeps the snacks coming, a big old bowl full of Skittles that never goes empty. And Jesus says... Which one of those guys do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy that sits there and lets somebody wait on him? Or do you want to be the man who serves? Jesus says, of course you want to be the guy that sits there. I mean, he does. Jesus understands that. Who's more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course. I mean, Jesus recognizes that. In the way the world works, everybody wants to be the guy on the couch playing Minecraft, eating Skittles out of the bowl. 
with somebody bringing your refills. I mean, you know, he's got it made. Jesus says, of course, people want to be the guy that sits there, but not you. See what Jesus does there? Of, of course. The whole world wants to be waited on. Other guys want people to, to wait on them. Other people want to sit there and play and let somebody else do the work. But Jesus says, you're not other guys. That's not how it's going to be for you. Of course other people just want to sit there, but you're not that guy. You hear me, little brother? I, I know that probably up to this point, you've sort of been that guy. You know, like, like playing your game, and your mom comes in and says, hey, I, I, I need you to get up. I need you to help me bring in the groceries. You're like, I'll do it later, you know, because you just can't get up. You can't help her, but because, you know, you like to be the one who sits. You like to be the one that says, hey, mom, will you bring me in? And then your mom comes running in. I mean, that's kind of the way you roll. But Jesus says, you got to stop rolling that way. That, that's not how it is with those who follow Jesus. That's not how it's going to be with you or me. Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. Like I told you, this is their last supper and Jesus is literally serving these guys. And, and, and the very next day, he's going to give his life for these guys and, and for all of us. Jesus shows us what it means to be a servant. And because Jesus serves, you and I serve. See, here, here's how it works. We work because God works. God works. I know, in the book of Genesis, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And I mean, man, that was awesome. I mean, God just creates, you know, everything out of nothing. And, and it's just amazing. The universe, the planets, the constellations, the black holes, the supernovas. He just flings them out there, just hangs them out there like he's at the high school decorating for the prom. I mean, it's just amazing how God just goes to work. And he works, and he works, and he works. And then the scripture says on the seventh day he rested. He rested, not because he was tired. You understand that? He, he didn't need a nap. He didn't need Gatorade because he'd been exerting himself. No, that seventh-day rest was an example for us. You see, you, you work and you rest. You, you work and you rest. You see, the problem is with a lot of us is we just like to rest. Like some of us rest before we work. And then a whole lot of us rest and never, ever get around to doing any work. But God is a worker. God works all the time, day and night. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never takes his eye off of you, always protecting, always providing. I mean, our God is an awesome God, and he is a worker. God works. Jesus actually says in the Gospel of John that God is a worker, that God works, and that Jesus himself is always trying to do what he sees the Father doing. That was Jesus' whole mission, just simply to see God at work and then jump in and do the work of the Father. And I'm telling you, that's your mission too. That's your mission too, because God works, so you're going to work. And I'm just telling the little brother, God has work for you to do, like work just for you. And it starts now. Actually, it probably should have started yesterday, but yesterday's gone. Let's start now. 
He's got work for you, little dude. He made you. Man, he put strength in you that you haven't even discovered yet. I mean, maybe strong arms, I don't know. Maybe a strong mind, strong gut. Maybe you're just extra brave or extra determined. We don't even know yet because you haven't really stepped out yet and started trying to find your strength in work. But God's got work for you to do. I mean, it starts now. Now, when we say work, I I know that a lot of us, you you think that work is like for for grown-ups, and it is. As we said, boys play, men work. Problem is, I know a whole lot of men that have never found work yet. They, They still play and a whole lot of young men like you who've got a tremendous amount of potential to go to work for God right now. You see, work is about career. I mean, I, there's a sense in which you're going to you know, go to school and you're going to work really hard. and You're going to please your parents. You're going to do what your teachers say and you're going to work hard and you're going to succeed and finish school and, and maybe go to, on to trade school, maybe electrician or a plumber or, or maybe go to college and you'll find a career. And, and at that point, you think you'll, you know, you'll go to work for money. But I just want you to understand that while that may be how the world goes to work, that's not how it is with us. We're not in it for money. We're not. I mean, it takes money to live, make no mistake. I mean, you got to buy groceries and stuff, but I'm telling you, if money is your only aim for working, you're in for a rather poor life. Just let me say, no matter how much money you make. It's not about money. And it's not even that your work doesn't really start until you get out of school, you know, and and, and get a driver's license and a job. God's got work for you right now. I mean, starting now. God is at work all around you, and and, and you need to join him in the work. Little brother, you got to get to work. Now, here's how it it goes, and I want you to listen to me. If you want to know what work God wants you to do, and I know you do, I mean, that's the question. God has a job for me. What's the job? What does God want me to do? I'm so glad you asked. If you want to know what work God wants you to do, look at the needs of the people around you. Understand? That's the key. That's the secret. It's really not all that mysterious. If you want to know what God wants you to do, if you want to find out what work he has for you right now, and I'm telling you, your life is already in motion, and he's got work for you right now, little brother, right now. So how you get started is you just look around, and you look at others, and you just ask yourself, what is it that they need? And then you go to work meeting their needs. That's doing God's work. And honestly, that's the secret to life. That's the secret to finding God's will. That's the secret to pleasing God. That's the secret to imitating Christ. That's the secret to everything right there. Open your eyes. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop trying to figure out how to get people to do stuff for you. And you just start looking for what you can do for others. Like others, the people in your path, the people in your house. Start with your mom. How can you help her? Man, I I had a buddy once who was obsessed with, like, shoes, like awesome kicks and, like, basketball shoes. And, man, they're really nice shoes. As you know, they cost a, a lot, a lot of money. My buddy had a single mom, and she worked really, really hard 
mostly cleaning houses. And she didn't have a lot of money, but, but she did everything she could to take care of her kids. And, and this boy just wanted these shoes that just cost, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. Well, his mom couldn't get the shoes that he wanted, so she went instead to, you know, like Walmart and, uh, and got some shoes that were kind of like the shoes he wanted. Like, like kind of like the shoes he wanted, but, but they weren't, man. I mean, anybody could tell. I mean, mama couldn't tell because moms can't tell. But, you know, anybody else could see from a mile away in the fog. Those weren't Nikes. They were whatever Walmart makes, you know, with a cross-eyed swoosh that looks like a Nike, but it's not a Nike. Doesn't cost as much. It's not leather. It's plastic or pleather or something. I remember that kid got so mad at his mom. He got mad at her because she brought him kind of the, 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 the best that she could afford. And here's what I think about it. His mama worked really, really hard to, to bring money home to provide for the family. And like those are whole days out of her life, and she wasn't in good health. And so the way I figure it, in order for her to make the money to buy the, the, the shoes he wanted, it would have taken probably two full days of work for her. So in other words, I mean, can you think about this, little brother? Those shoes he wanted, like the cost of those are like two days of his mother's life. Understand what I'm saying? Like she'd have to work two days for shoes. Is there any pair of shoes in the world worth two days of your mother's life? Do you understand what I'm saying, little dude? It's not all about you. You need to stop just thinking about what other people can do for you and what they can give you. And You could help your mother a whole lot. You could help your dad. You got a sister? She needs help. <laughs> I mean, you know, brothers, sisters. I mean, it just starts right there. I'm, I'm telling you, look around at the people around you and, and figure out what they need, and then you go to work. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's work. It's going to be work. You'd rather always do something else. When there's serving others to do, there's always something else you could be doing that would be more fun. But, but this is what God calls you to do. And, and, and here's the thing. If, if you figure this out now, like, like if you begin to live this way right now, little dude, are you listening to me? Like now. Like that means tomorrow's going to look very, very different for you because you're going to live different. You're going to look different. You're not going to be the same. You're going to be more like Jesus. You're going to be loving people and paying close attention to them. And you're going to spend yourself just to sort of meet their needs. And, and you're going to do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And, and what I'm saying is that that path that you step on, it, it leads you to a really, really good life. I, I mean, I, I actually, the, the best kind of life. You're saying, Pastor Tim, that doesn't sound like a good life. I, I liked it back when you were like on the couch playing Minecraft and eating Doritos out of the bag. Like that sounded like a good life. But this is what I'm telling you, brother. That's not living. Probably, I started feeling God calling me to be a pastor when I was your age. I think I knew it then. I always went to church, and I always saw my pastors, and I always, always thought they were awesome. 
I think probably at your age, I, I realized that, that this would be my work. This, this is my work. I'm at work right now. <laughs> you want to know the truth? Again, we're recording this message. I'm actually doing this on Wednesday night, and we've been here a while. It's almost 9 o'clock p.m. <laughs> I got to work this morning about 8.30. So, like, I've been here 12 hours, like all day. Um, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I can't describe to you how much I love my job. I feel so blessed. Now, my... Life, my job, my work is all about others. It's about meeting the needs of others. It's about sitting down and writing this message for you. Like, like I, I wrote this message with you in mind, just begging God to give me words, begging God to give me wisdom. Like, like I, I, I do this for you. And so much of what I get to do as a pastor is, is for others. I get to do weddings. I love weddings. You know, it is such an amazing thing to be the man that gets to say, I now declare that you are husband and wife. Like, I get to say that. Before I say it, they ain't. But after I say it, they is. You understand? I get to say, you're husband and wife, and they're married. That's cool. That's cool. I do funerals. That's hard. That's hard work. But for me, if somebody lives their whole life, and at the very end of their life, they call me to come and say words when that person is put in the ground, man, that's an honor. I love that. Man, it's, it, it's still work. I, I know, you're a kid and you're thinking, you know, I th Pastor Tim, I thought you only worked on Sunday. And it probably looks that way to you. But, you know, in this whole pandemic thing with the lockdown, I don't even know what day it is anymore. I don't even always take a day off anymore. But I love what I do. I love this work. Now, I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm a pastor. But, but my work is no different than the work you're going to do. My job is just to look around me and, and to see what the needs of others are and then to spend everything I have to, to meet their needs in the name of Jesus. That's my purpose. And little brother, that's your purpose too. I know it doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but, but, but let me lay this on you. This really comes from one of my favorite preachers in the whole world. His name is Frederick Beatner, and he says something like this, but, but I'm going to say it differently, but here he goes. You're going to find your life's work in the place where your deepest joy meets the world's deepest need. See, it's going to come together like that. And in the place where those things come together, that's how you know that you found your work. And it has to do with that deepest joy. You see, as a kid, when I thought I'd be a preacher, I'm like, that scared the life out of me. The idea of standing up and like trying to talk. Because honestly, as a boy your age, I stuttered. I still stutter. Now, I hate stuttering because, you, you know, you just look, you know, like a, I feel like an idiot when I stutter. So in my head, I try to switch words real fast so that I don't get stuck on, a, on, on certain words where I'll get stuck. I never thought that, that this would be something that I would love to do, but I love to do this. The fact that I get to do this. You know, it, it's some deep joy, this deep gladness in me. And little brother, this is what I'm saying. This is what you've got to find. 
That, that deep gladness in you, whatever it is, it just lights you up. You, you know in that moment that this is what you're born to do. You may not know what that is yet, but this is what I'm telling you. You just start the habit right now of looking at the needs of others, and then you just go to work serving other people, and, and you'll find it. You will find it. You'll wake up one day. You'll find yourself in the middle of a moment, and you'll think, my goodness, this is exactly what God wants me to do. This is where I'm alive. And it's that place where your deepest gladness, something deep down in your gut, you understand, it, it intersects, it meets the world's deepest need. And little brother, when you get to this place, you found your purpose. Like the whole reason you're here. I, I just want to tell you, the reason you're here is not just to play and have fun. There's a lot of playing and fun in life. I'm not saying that there's not, but that's not what life is about. Your life is for Jesus. And Jesus works all the time, day and night, always at work around you. And because he works, you're going to work. And Jesus' work is always serving other people. And because Jesus serves other people, you're going to serve other people. It's not about you. Your life isn't about you. It's not about looking around and trying to figure out what other people can do for you. Truly, your life is to look around in the name of Jesus, try to figure out what you can do for others. And when you see a need, somebody around you, it's time to go to work. Little brother, get to work. Will you pray with me? God, the world is so full of people. And as long as there are people, there will be needs. And as long as there are needs, then Lord God, we recognize we've got work to do. We have a purpose. God, I pray for boys in the sound of my voice. I pray for young men. I pray that you'll light their hearts on fire for the sake of the world, for the sake of others. Lord, we know that most guys are in it for themselves. Most guys are in it for pleasure. Most guys are in it for fun. Most guys are selfish and self-centered, Lord. Most guys are only looking for ways to get other people to do what they want them to do, Lord. But that's not how we are. We're not most guys. Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. And because you work, we want to work. And because you serve we want to serve. God, I pray that you'll just put it in our hearts to put you first, to surrender our lives to you, Lord Jesus, and then to look around, begin to put others in front of ourselves. Lord Jesus, this isn't easy for us, but we know by your power, your grace, the way you love us, the way you can change us, Lord, you can make us to be that way, just like you. Lord Jesus, make us like you. We pray in your precious name. Amen.